Um, okay, so Sam, uh, everything is happening. So much is happening. I'm scared for the end. I, I'm scared. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like I, so last minute watcher as is per usual. Nice. Um, nice. And I was just sitting there watching it while my kids are running around behind me. And I'm just like, what is going on? why <laughs> like flock you're such an asshole <laughs> like oh my god oh you're the worst i <sighs> i cannot imagine so many characters can get a redemption arc and i'll be here for it like mm -hmm. give me the redemption arc of like all the rhina and you know everyone flock yes. i'm like you know what you piece of you know I don't see a redemption arc for you. I don't want to be that person, but you are the literal worst. So, yeah. For real, though. I mean, um, we're in agreement. <laughs> we, uh, so since we like to do bulk recordings, we just recorded with Rach, who is one of our followers who lives in Japan. And as we wrapped things up and we kind of just chatted afterwards, <laughs> we talked about our mutual hate for Flock. And, oh, and it felt so good. It felt <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So Rach, you're just, you're getting a double shout out um, yeah, in our sure. mini leave that's coming up. I guess we need to work the calendar out to see when this is happening. Cause it's going to come out around the same time, but you're also oh, getting yeah. this one. Yay. <laughs> um, but yeah, everyone, welcome. This is a little bit weebish. This is the podcast where Sam and I uh, get to chat about Attack on Titan, and we get to relive the drama, the sadness, the the twists and turns, and it's it's exciting and scary. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> this is and our therapy uh, session after watching Isayama tear out our hearts over, oh, one and over and over again. <laughs> 100%. And yeah, today we get to cover uh, season four, episodes 23 and 24, or if you're counting up, 82 and 83. The title for 82, or yeah, the title for 82 or 23 is Sunset. And I'm just going to read the summary. And I would like to note that I actually made bullet points. <laughs> <laughs> to make it more of a true summary and not like a mini novel. Are you proud of me, go. Sam? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, this is so official. <laughs> I know. And I was like, okay, I think I can do this. But like, it's still pretty lengthy bullet notes. But still, mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. was just so much happening, like with so many pieces that I'm like, all right, we're going to do our best here. But here we go. Definitely. Here we go. So Aaron's rumbling causes so much damage. There's destroyed homes, thousands of casualties, and the survivors talk amongst themselves. Some are upset with their losses and others believe that this was the best choice for the Eldian Empire. And Hitch um, sees Annie. Annie forces Hitch to help her escape. And in the process, we learn that Annie could hear the conversations and we learn about Annie's upbringing, how it was not great, um, but she really did feel like the father figure really was like a dad to her despite the very complicated upbringing. And he was her driving, for, uh, driving reason to return home. Then in Marley, the Eldians are trying to warn the guards, but of course the guards don't believe them and they aim their guns at the Eldians. We have no clue beyond that. And then the Jaegerists um, are gaining control and support over the parody people, the Eldian people on parody, however you want to say it. The young cadets that were with Shadas, they warn him and they try to protect them but Shadas tells them to do exactly what the Jaegerists say and to keep their heads down and Flock is an ass and threatens the volunteers <laughs> to behave <laughs> we support Flock slander here okay yeah. and if you're a Flock supporter I you know what we're sorry we're not going to support that <laughs> But anyway. We need to make like, those pins kind of like Potter sucks, except make it Flock <gasps> sucks. We do. Oh, we my gosh. 
okay, we're doing it. We're doing that. Sam, write that down as like a we need to do. Pretend Everyone... typing noise. There you yep, go. Sam has a pen, you guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Flock is an ass. He threatens the volunteers to behave, and Jean's like, who put you in charge? And Flock's like, I'm telling everyone that Aaron told me this plan, and now you volunteers, you have to either uh join us and have us be your new country or just you know give up your own hope for your own you know returning home you're gonna either join us or die basically yeah and then armin he wants to go after connie and mikasa she's like okay well what should i do in the meantime and what should everyone do about aaron and armin just snaps at her and says how the hell should i know and connie he goes with Falco, he tells them that, hey, we're going to go to a hospital in the north because it's dangerous in the south and there's people who can help with your amnesia. And Falco's just like, oh my goodness, I feel so lucky to have found a good person. And I'm like, frickin' dagger to my heart. <laughs> then Peak, okay, and this is the best part. Peak and Magath have survived. Well, this isn't the best part, but they've survived. And they see their airship flying off without them. And then that's when they are approached by Hanji, who survived Woo-hoo. and poses no threat. And the same goes for Levi, a.k.a. the poor bastard who refuses to die. And I'm freaking out, Sam. I'm like, hallelujah. Miracles was- do exist in Attack on Titan. <laughs> I mean, that one was kind of spoiled for me just because... Of course, I get lots of fan art that gets thrown all over my Pinterest boards. And I see him, like, wrapped up and whatever and recovering. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, did we actually think that Isayama was going to kill him quite yet? I mean, true. There's still so much danger for Levi that I know we're not out of the woods yet. Oh, for sure. But oh my gosh, I'm just so grateful. And I just thought that the way Hanji described Levi mm-hmm. as, you know, the person who refuses to die, I'm just like, that was just so perfect. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm like, I'm just on cloud nine. And I know that's going to be ruined as we continue talking. But for at least that brief <laughs> moment, I was happy. <laughs> um. Okay, now everyone, let's just jump right into the themes. Honestly, I felt like there could have been so many. Like, yeah, I feel like with Annie, it could have, you know, and with the complicated relationship with her father, we could have talked about like forgiveness and complicated family ties, especially in contrast to Zeke and Aaron and Grisha. Mm-hmm. But decided not to go there and instead wanted to focus on what Commandant Shadas said, which was to do your best not to lose yourself. And there are some examples where I believe have really depicted those who found themselves in the chaos, those who lost themselves, and then there are some where I just have no clue. Like, I... But we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. So to be specific on the quote that Commandant Shada says to the young cadets, he says, live long enough and you'll get your chance to rebel. In the meantime, do your best not to lose yourselves. Um, And I feel like the whole line is like cool guy, you know, cool guy quote. Um, But really, he says that so they can survive the Jaegerists and that when this new Eldian empire comes to be, they can stay alive and have the chance to set things right again. But I specifically wanted to talk about characters like Annie, Armin, Connie, Flock, and Aaron. I think that these people are the ones who most illustrate that. So with Annie, we learn about her, her upbringing, how she was raised to believe a certain way and how she was supposed to act. Um, 
We know that she was praised for killing. We know that she was told that she was there to save the world. But in her four years of darkness and solitude, it really does seem like Annie did not lose herself, but she really did find herself in the process because she realized that um, her father was actually very important to her and that she had to get back to him. And not only that, but that other people, her enemies, also had people that they cared about and also wanted to be home with their loved ones. And she realized, above all else, her mentality that nothing mattered changes to be that everything matters. And that's like a massive shift in your outlook on life, the value that you have on yourself and other people. It really does seem like that time to be with herself was the best thing for Annie to find herself. Definitely. Um, as you were kind of talking about this, it, her coming to terms with like her upbringing and then having her father apologize really reminds me of Zeke with Grisha in the last yes. couple episodes. Mm -hmm. um, we have Grisha or sorry, not Grisha, Zeke being raised in a very similar manner as to Annie. Um, and the separation was different, right? And the reconciliation happened much sooner for Annie than it did for Zeke. Uh, but definitely very similar in the fact that there was like an embrace, an apology, um, and seeing the change of heart of the father towards the child and um, just wanting to to reconcile. And that one, that, that was just really beautiful to me to see kind of that parallel between both of those two characters. Really and truly very similar like you said, upbringing, and then with the reconciliation of, you know, between hearing what they needed to hear with their father. Um, now, next up is Armin. And Armin, for me, is someone who has lost himself. Um, mm. We see this illustrated when Mikasa asks what she should do, what they need to do about Aaron. And Armin literally snaps at her. I don't think we've ever seen that before in him. Yeah. And we can tell that he has been in this for so long. And he's tried to understand Aaron's actions and be like three steps ahead of everyone. Because he was mm -hmm. always seen as the one who was fixing things, coming up with a plan. He's always been that person. And now he's breaking down. And yeah. he realizes he can't fix everything. He says, how the hell should I know what to do? Who says there's anything we can do? Aaron's yeah. a lost cause. The friends are in greater danger than ever before. Historia, um, Mikasa's clan, uh, Niccolo, the volunteers. They have no real military leadership. The Jaegerists will probably kill everyone. And he believes that Hanji and Levi are dead at this point. They have no real chance of forming a Marlian alliance, um, especially if he fails to get Falco. And so... It really piles up on him. And in this moment, he's just like, you know what? Levi chose the wrong person. It was supposed to be Ervin. And it's like, in that moment, he is so overcome that he just doesn't feel like he was the one worthy to be living because he is no longer seen as helpful or knowing what to do. And it's yeah. like, Armin has lost himself at this very moment. Well, and I, I like that you mentioned that he has lost himself because we do have multiple points within this episode and the next episode where he references Irwin. And yes. I think what has happened is that he's tried so hard to be Irwin and he was similar mm -hmm. before, but he's tried so hard to be who Irwin was that he lost the foundation of who he is. And I think that maybe if he would have just tried to have been himself, which was still somebody who is a solid thinker that comes up with plans, who really thinks things through, 
he might not have lost himself completely because he would have been able to think as who he is and not somebody else and trying to fill somebody else's shoes. And I 100% agree with that. I mean, even within the own our own fandom, and sometimes we've even mm-hmm. uh, compared Ervin and Armin to each other. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I do feel like if Armin felt like he was allowed to be himself and not fill in those shoes, I think things would have been differently. Um, I do agree with that. Um, and then there's Connie. And Connie, he was told to be a good soldier. And now he feels like he is, he has to do this. Um, And this is just a part of being in war. And Mm. he has to save his mom, which means that he has to betray his friends and use Falco. And that shows me that he is lost. And I feel like this grossly comes from him losing Sasha so suddenly he's lost his whole family essentially but I feel Mm -hmm. like Sasha was the final straw that kept him from breaking completely and Mm -hmm. so because of that you know at the graveyard he said that it feels like he's lost a part of him like Sasha was kind of like his twin almost yeah and I really do feel like that this has just been festering within him and now he is he's lost at this mm-hmm. current place in time. Um, as you've been talking about Armin and Connie, I think about how long that they've been at this, like being kids right. and kind of going through this whole cycle of having the uh, the Titans attack. Like they've been in it from the attack to now Aaron acting as kind of a catalyst with the rest of the world. And the the words that you have chosen for this theme just very much resonate just because if we look back to earlier this part two uh yeah part two of season four we have mr browse talking about children getting lost in the forest or in the woods um and this symbolism just really really hits home because of his analogy And these, you know, young adults literally losing themselves. Like, they're at the point that are they going to get out of the hypothetical forest at this point when they're already losing track of who they are? Oh my gosh, I love that you brought up the children in the forest because that's exactly what I was going to put in my notes. But I was like, I'm going to be talking too long. So I actually (laughs) love that you brought that up because technically they were children. They were Mm -hmm. children when all of this went down and now they're becoming adults, but they're not quite there yet. So spot on 100%. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's exactly what is happening. And then... Okay, here's where I'm in the I don't know category um, with Flock. Part of me feels like, did he lose himself to Aaron's plan? Or did he really find himself in Aaron's plan? I do not know, like, at all. Because he seems, he's had this history of finding fault with authority. Ervin old military leaders, but he's also hated this constant struggle of survival, both like personal and ancestral. And, you know, so he truly does believe that they are going to live a good life now through all of this struggle and that all of the betrayal was worth it. And so I don't know. I'm like, Flock, were you always this bad so like are you lost to Aaron or have you found yourself in Aaron and his plan I don't know I think that it's both and I will tell you why I think he lost himself because I think that he's just like crazy like I I think (laughs) that he is I think that he's the fanatical that Yelena was and that we're seeing more of Mm -hmm. Flock's antics because of the um, point of view 
that we have during the yes. show because if we were coming mm-hmm. from Zeke's point of view from the majority of the show, we would have seen more of Yelena's fanaticism. Fanatics? Fanaticism. Anyway. Um, yes. So I think that he truly has lost himself, but I think that he feels like he has found himself because he now has power. And we can see that mm-hmm. in the way that he manipulates it because he, like you were talking about going back to Irwin and how he was so upset that he was manipulated, but now he is the one that is in power and being able to use his voice and right. taking control. And I think that he feels like he has found himself because he has oh. that power. Oh my gosh. Yep. I think that is 100% spot on because... Yeah, well, and especially because he was not seen as someone who was necessarily important in the Scouts. It was kind of like, well, survive your missions and then we'll see. Then maybe Mm -hmm. you'll be a veteran. Mm -hmm. You know, he was always like trying to fight for power and fight for importance. And now he feels like, well, now I'm the right hand of Aaron. Yeah. And it very much is kind of like that hero worship where Yelena is to Zeke as Flock is to Aaron, you know, throwing it back to those word problem, you know, math problems. SAT questions. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, But yeah, I do think that you are spot on in that. I really, really do. Um, The next person, though, that I want to talk about And the last person is Aaron. And he didn't even speak in this episode, but he is directly the result of thousands of people, his people, who he claims to be protecting. Um, He's the, he is the direct um, cause of so many of them to die. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and if they happen to be survivors, well, great, but now they're injured and homeless. So it's just like, it's very interesting because in season one, he thought how horrific and evil could someone be to attack his small village or his Mm -hmm. district. Like, you had to be the most evil kind of person. Well, here we are a couple years later, and he now thinks that the appropriate action is to commit global genocide. And so I don't even know with him anymore. It's like, he's the top dog. He can do what he wants. So I feel like he's kind of similar with Flock, where we yeah. believe that he has lost himself, but I don't believe that Aaron feels that he's lost himself. I feel like he's very much found himself. Like he believes that he has, but in actuality, the people who've known him and cared for him and grown up with him feel like they've lost their friend in the worst way. And they don't know how to help pull him out of this. Yeah, I think you're spot on in comparing Aaron and Flock at the moment. Um, Until we see more of Aaron, like, in action, and if he will follow through. I, I, yeah, I see him as the same as Flock, unfortunately. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm hoping for a redemptive arc, but I'm really not sure how it's gonna happen. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, that was my theme, you guys. Just, you know, do your best to not lose yourselves, um, in, in life, in this process, in this war that is happening. Um, but let's move on to what we liked, uh, not to be a downer completely. Um, but Sam, what did you love saying? Um, so I know that this is still kind of sad, but I, I loved seeing Dr- uh, Jean's struggle um, yep. when mm-hmm. he's speaking to Flock. Um, it just felt very real. And I knew in that moment that Jean wasn't going to truly be with Flock mm-hmm. uh, just by seeing his struggle um, because Flock just threw all of his faults in his face and pretty much said, you can be that now. And Jean in the past has said, like, this is who I used to be, and I'm better for my experiences now to be who I am. 
Like he mm-hmm. said that in the past and he's like, I could have been this lazy MP because that's what I wanted to be. Not saying that MPs are necessarily lazy, but that is the type of MP that he wanted to be was a lazy one. Yeah. A protected mm-hmm. one, um, not caring about other people. And um, just to see him kind of like be uh, not not balking, but like horrified by what mm-hmm. Flock was saying, and and almost being like, how can you, how can you say these things as positives to somebody's character? And trying to urge somebody to be that way. And that's where, like, the craziness kind of happens for me. Like 100%. Well, to add to that, I I loved and hated that moment exactly. Because to think that that was Flock's selling point to Mm -hmm. Jean. Like, that this is what's going to get Jean to come to my side. That you can be annoying, selfish, and arrogant... Like, who would want that? But, and because it really is true, though, Jean was those things 100%. And we've Mm -hmm. talked about how much we have loved Jean's character development Mm -hmm. since then. And so it was just so interesting in a very much, I hate this moment, to be reminded that this beloved character of ours really was horrible kind of like flock himself um but he has grown so much so yeah similar vein i have my own thoughts and feelings as well with that um and okay what was your next thing that you liked so the next part like it just the next thing that i wanted to point out was just something that really killed me um seeing connie lie to falco was just oh my god devastating yeah um because you know the truth you know the truth as the viewer yeah and then seeing the gratitude from falco from the lie being like he doesn't even know me and he's taking me to the hospital what a great soldier and if only he knew who I was and yada, yada, yada. And I could just, it was heartbreaking. You could see the struggle on Connie's face as you see Falco just being overjoyed as somebody caring for him. Like, I, isn't that the worst? Oh. Like, n- barely anybody has cared for Falco. He doesn't remember exactly. anything. He knows that his brother cares for him and that his family cares for him. But like, other than that, he's been treated like trash and something that's disposable. And Connie is lying to him when he is treating Falco like a disposable person. And it's just so hard. Well, and we've also talked like how they very much are tools. And Connie is like, you are the tool to help give me back my mom. And yeah, it is so heartbreaking because, like, poor Falco. He is literally one of the most, like, sweet characters who's so thoughtful and kind. And yet, so it's a rarity to feel like, oh, this is reciprocated. But, like, Aaron used him. And now here's Connie using him. And so, yeah. Exactly freaking breaks my heart um speaking of breaks my heart but i liked was (laughs) it's it's complicated but everyone who watches attack on titan knows what that means um is when annie shares her life story and hitch interrupts like i don't want to hear your life story and annie's like well i didn't need to hear about your failed relationships in the past four years and i'm like oh, <laughs> i love that i love that uh, um, just as quippy as before i know so cool girl energy like that's oh, for sure. annie cool girl energy she would intimidate yeah. the hell out of me if she was real <laughs> definitely Oh my gosh. But yeah, well, that's all I have. So let's move on to episode 24. Sounds good.
Welcome back, everybody. We are now going to cover season four, episode 24, or if you you are counting up, episode 83, and the title is Pride. Um, and here is the summary. Um, Connie agonizes over his decision to kill Falco, uh, who has been super trusting of him, like just this chipper kid. And Connie, like, mentions it in his like mumblings by the fire of like this kid hasn't complained once and we've been traveling so hard <laughs> I know. um but then connie asks sasha if she would understand his decision he's just like reaching out and just talking to her at this point um the last few titans are making their way out of the area and off of the island so they're they're finally not disrupting the town just as much people are able to sleep um, a little bit better uh, but you can definitely still see the struggle in the aftermath of what they have crushed um, Armin and Gabi make it to Connie's hometown before he officially sacrifices Falco Armin ODMs over and I just said ODMs over because I don't know what, what else to say but he yeah. ODMs yeah. Yeah. he ODMs <laughs> over to above Connie's mom's mouth and jumps in to sacrifice himself over Falco so that Connie's mom can live. Connie stops him and saves him. Uh, Connie then says that he wants to be a protector of everyone, as his mom asked him to be. And now they have a world to save. It's not just parody anymore. Um, it's an entire world. Um, and he's like, let's just save the world. And I'm like, oh, Connie. You are so precious. <laughs> Can I just say that in that moment, and then with like the moments following that, it very much felt like, you know, Avengers Assemble. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is so cool. Everyone's so cool right now. Well, and Connie like really steps forward and kind of being the leader type in this episode, just oh. based on like how much he's talking and talking with authority it's not just like he's the exact guy like he's legitimately trying to talk as a leader well it's like having your worst moment your worst decision in front of your mom like that mm -hmm. literally snapped him out of it because he's like this is the lowest of low mm -hmm. no more funny business i'm we gotta save the world now and it was just so awesome Avengers Assemble. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, then Flock gives a massive amount of speeches throughout this episode. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> he tells Jean that he can relax and be his selfish self again. Be the LDN hero in the ranks of the Jaegerists. Stop fighting. That was the last episode. But I threw that in mm -hmm. there because I feel like it's relevant. Um, it is. Mikasa it is. Yeah. Uh, Mikasa refuses to join the Jaegerists. Uh, Connie, Armin, and the kiddos. I just call Gabi and they stop in town as they make their way back and run into Annie. Hitch is left behind as usual um, with like a little note that just kind of feels a little bit of heartfelt from Annie because yeah, Annie probably like they've had a relationship. I know. Pretty much the most heartfelt we've ever seen, Annie. It's like those four years really did change you, Annie. Yeah. You know. For sure. Uh, Mikasa then oh, I hated this part. Mikasa then steals her scarf back from a dying Louise. I the girl know. who Jeez. the girl who only wanted to be close to her. Um, and then as Flock is about to kill Yelena and Anyan Capone, Peek jumps to the tower roof and steals the two and Jean at Jean's signal. They all make it back to Hanji as part of the plan. Mikasa, Armin, Connie, Annie, and the kids who are all in on the plan go to find Reiner right where Gobby left him. They are collecting him to go save the world. <laughs> yes! Oh my gosh! The I'm so scared because this very much feels like a glimmer of hope. And I it know does. it's going to be squashed. <laughs> it does feel like the gang's back together. I, like, oh my gosh, uh, yes. The boys are back in town. Backstreet's yeah. back. You know what I'm yeah. saying? All the things. <laughs> any, any way you want to put this, like, they are... 
I just like smashed my hands together, but they are together. <laughs> yes. Oh, it feels um, right. <laughs> so for the theme today, I felt like for once the uh, title was very appropriate um, to be used yes. as a theme. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I think that this episode was aptly named and decided to go with it. So during this episode, we see a lot of people act on pride. And so mm-hmm. what I decided to do with this theme is just do it by person and give examples of the way that they have acted in pride. And the first one up that I really wanted to talk about was Anyang Capone. Um, he has like a little speech that he gives of his own, but, and it's kind of hysterical because hysterical in the way that like he's giving it, not that it's haha funny. Um, right. But he says it kind of like, you guys are all crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm the only sane one here and you're going to kill me because I'm the only one that's acting sane. Um, and so he decide he decides that he is going to die with dignity. He wanted to help the Paradians get freedom in the hopes that he could do the same for his own people from the Marleans. Instead, once he has helped them, he finds out that his homeland is going to be decimated and he does not want to participate in that. He would rather die. He is holding on to his convictions despite always being on the same side as the Jaegerists up until then. And not saying that he was a part of the Jaegerists, but he still held like the same end goal of freedom. It seemed like they were in alignment in terms of yes. supporting Aaron and Zeke. So I understand what you're meaning. Yeah. And so he is dying for what he thinks is right. And in this sense, I feel like his pride is justified. This is somebody who is acting on his convictions and is saying, no, this is wrong. You guys shouldn't be doing this. I'm not going to give in. I am not going to participate um, yeah, I'm just not going to do it. Um, mm-hmm. the next person that I wanted to cover and I really hated her this episode was Mikasa. Oh my gosh. Um, her pride is just astounding to me. She finds that her scarf is missing and she goes looking for it and she finds that Louise has it. And she's like, I figured that you would have it kind of like dismissing her. Um, and she can't freaking get over it. She puts, um, she put it down because she wasn't going to wear it anymore. But when she finds out that Aaron wanted to throw it away in the conversation that she had with Louise, she grabs it from Louise, who is dying because she has shrapnel in her stomach. Like literally she, on a clock. Yeah. And walks away as Louise is still talking to her and saying, I just wanted to wear this because it, it made me feel like I was closer to you. And Mikasa just Ugh. walks away during that. I and know. It breaks my heart. It makes me hate Mikasa so freaking much because she's so wrapped up in herself and trying to prove Aaron wrong. And Louise, even during like her talk with Mikasa, was like, Did you just come come here for the scarf or did you actually come yeah. to see me? Mm-hmm. Um, not in those exact words, paraphrasing here, but yeah. Like, it's so sad that it's so overwhelmingly obvious that Mikasa is acting as such a prideful, selfish person that she wouldn't actually come to see Louise and say goodbye to her, even though she saved her four years ago. Well, and also saved her at the tower. Granted, Louise still succumbed to getting injured, Mm -hmm. but... Oh my gosh, I will say I I love Mikasa, but this was one of those moments where I was like, damn, this is really hard to swallow because like you said, she is so caught up in just like this off balancing that Aaron has done that she's literally like not seeing the people like she's not seeing clearly and being there for people who need her and like i just would have thought what a beautiful moment it could have been Mm -hmm. if because aaron gave mikasa the scarf after the traumatic incident to kind of say like you are now being taken care of i would think that how beautiful of a moment would it have been 
if Mikasa, instead of like hearing Aaron wanted to throw it away, well then fine, I'm going to take it away. How beautiful would it have been if she said, all right, well now I would like you to take care of it. Let this be something that you hold on to and carry with you, you know? So it's like, she's not only putting to rest something that's hurtful, but this scarf is now giving new life and new purpose and new comfort to someone else. You know, it's like, you know, and Aaron saved her. She saved Louise. It could have been beautiful in like different parallels and whatnot, but it just didn't happen because Aaron being the jerkwad that he is, you know, hurt Mikasa in such a way, not dismissing it because everyone's accountable to their own actions, Mm -hmm. but it hurt her in such a way that she's just choosing not to think rationally or to care about anyone except herself at this moment. And I hate it. I I, I think that this is a further point in Isayama telling us that like, okay, we've seen how much Aaron has faults throughout this entire show. Let's kind of drive home that Mikasa herself isn't innocent, and just because yeah. like, he hurt her bad, like she's still not super. Gr- she is, she is, like still being person. affected by. Yeah, and she's still being affected by Aaron, even if yeah. she's deliberately trying to say no. I'm not being affected by you. Yeah. It's like she's overcompensating to the point where she yeah. still is. You know, it's horrible. And this is. And this is just where Isayama is trying to show real life. Right. Exactly. Nobody is 100% good. Everybody has failings. And this just happens to be Mika says she gets bullheaded. And that's how it is. Um, And so I really very prideful that moment. Um, (laughs) Me too. (laughs) um, Next up, we have Jean. Um, you know, we we talked about in the last episode that Flock told him that he could k- go back to being selfish, arrogant, and annoying and live as an Eldian hero. And Jean seems to have a conflict of heart. And I think that Flock was trying to play on Jean's pride. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know that I'm bringing this from the last episode. But I think that he's really trying to uh, play on Jean's pride. And we see in this episode that like Jean is giving position, like he's standing right behind flock as he gives his speeches. He's the one that's there with the gun when he's trying to execute people. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you see Jean in a position of power, but Jean is a changed man. He realizes that he can work and be proud of the work that he has done, Um, that he can play his part in society and feel good about himself instead of being selfish and arrogant and annoying. He still can be annoying. He can still be arrogant and he can still act selfishly. But overall, he is somebody who is trying to do the work of saving the world. He can still inspire good. And now that he is being offered that life he originally wanted, he can't seem to take it because he knows that it isn't right. Oh. We've talked about his growth, which I love. And I also, I I don't, do you talk about Flock? Oh man, yeah, you do. Can I can I just say my little brief moment about Flock? Yeah, we can we can swap around and and skip to him next too. Okay, perfect. Because I feel like this moment where he says what he says to Jean also speaks volumes about Flock and his own pride because oh, yeah. he is not seeing people for how they have changed. And for how that they could be, he will see them for how they were. And he wants people to stay how they were. Mm -hmm. I feel like that shows the kind of pride that Flock has. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like that just really makes his goal and his rationale and his reasoning for this new Eldia really I guess it just really explains the way that he is just because of his pride and how he sees people like if he if he knew them for how they were as person a he will always see them as person a Mm -hmm. he'll never see the growth or acknowledge the growth and see Mm -hmm. them as a new person 
him. Which is so interesting because he himself is very much evolved into a more intense person. And so you would think that because he wants other people to recognize his authority and who he is, that he would see that others want to do the same. I feel well. like... I feel like, though, Flock is the kind of person where he is just saying, like, well, I'm just becoming my more true self. This is who I've always been. And so instead of seeing, like, oh, people are also developing to be better into their true self, he reverts their own growth and says, no, this is who you really were, you know, in kind of a weird way. Just... Oh, I hate um, him. <laughs> so since you jumped to Flock, I will jump to my points about Flock. Um, and I say this just kind of as a devil's advocate um, with his pride. And I just say, like, to be fair, Flock has done a lot to gather people under Aaron. So the True. pride that he has over that, whether it's right or it's wrong, is justified. True. He's instilled a lot of a lot of faith in the people and in the cause that Aaron has brought about. Like he's done a lot of legwork. Um, so he has accomplished a lot, whether we like it or not. Uh, but he has taken all of that power and it has kind of gone to his head. Um, he's then forcing people to join the Jaegerists or die. And then seeing that Mikasa hasn't co- joined in on the cause, he took that as a blow. Like you mm. could see the kind of like, Oh no. Um, as her I as the lead, this pen. one, mm-hmm. yeah, because Mikasa was like always with Aaron, and he knew that if he didn't have Mikasa, he did not have the rest of the group. True. And so he took that as a blow, and he realized that something wasn't going to plan. And he truly, like he says at one point during these last two episodes, "I am acting on behalf of Aaron." And so in that moment, he is taking into account. He thinks that he is acting as Aaron would. And I think that he feels like he knows Aaron so well and has pride in that. Mm -hmm. That he's doing all of these things because he's got all this power and it just goes to his head, honestly. It's crazy. Um, And then the last person that I really wanted to talk about was Connie. This Mm -hmm. guy, this poor, poor guy. Um. His pride is that he has become what his mother has asked of him, to become a protector of all. Like, he's worked really hard to become a good soldier, um, to be somebody who doesn't back down at a hard challenge. But now that he is trying to feed Falco to his mother, uh, he no longer feels like he's fulfilling that promise, and it really knocks him down a peg. Um, He Mm -hmm. no longer has pride in his position or the time that he has spent or who he has become. Um, ultimately, after Armin proves his point, and I think that this is a really great moment um, to kind of call on Connie's character. Um, because Armin proves his point, and instead of Connie being sulky and upset that Armin almost sacrificed himself, and that he he like goes on to mention that um, having the colossal titan would have just traded one, you know bad thing for his mom to another bad thing Mm -hmm. um but he doesn't sulk on it he doesn't get upset he doesn't get angry but what he does is he says that okay i'm gonna learn from this and if i'm going to continue then we need to try to save the rest of the world yeah that is his literal solution, which kind of seems like a dim-witty response, but he takes it to heart. It's not just like a an over an overpromise. He literally seems like I will do my hardest and to my best ability to save the rest of the world. Like that is literally his goal. He believes that he will he will do it. Um and he isn't going to sit back and let Aaron do what he plans just because he's this massive titan and has massive titans just following him he's just like we're gonna do it i love it and he decides to take the faith that he had in himself and his position and everything that he worked for and he's just gonna continue on and continue on as hard as he can because he knows that he cannot leave the world in the shape 
that it has been in. And I think that this is the way that Connie is continuing in the forest that Mr. Browse has talked about, but thriving. Uh, it's like it's like he's finally making his way out and he's like, all right, yeah. we're getting everybody out, you know? And mm-hmm. it's just, oh, it's so great. Um, yeah. I love that. I love everything that you said in the theme. So great. Well, good. Um, let's move on to what we liked. Megan, why don't you go ahead? Okay. Well, pretty obvious. I love just like seeing the epic planning and badassery and uniting of the scouts, everyone teaming up. Yeah. Oh, I just, it just made me so happy and I just know it's going to be squashed, but I'm going to just relish in it for another week. (laughs) And, um, okay. But can I just say, I thought two design moments were hysterical and not great, but hysterical. One was Connie's face when he tries to play nice and convince Falco. I was like, WTF, what (laughs) is this? It's not scary like Yelena's, but it was so like, whoa, what is this? You know? And oh my gosh, it just cracked me up. So I... I loved that part and I thought it was so funny. And even though I was terrified of Yelena's face, um, Mm -hmm. this one, I just busted up laughing because I realized that that's something that like I kind of do when I'm like, here's a (laughs) half-assed plan. Hopefully it works. And he's just like so (laughs) nervous that it won't. (laughs) And so he's like, it's almost a pain. Like you going for it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. You buying yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Totally. Well, and then the other thing though, the other design thing where I was like, what's going on here was when they were having that moment where they were eating and they find Annie. I don't know what the deal is with Mappa, but I was like, this is kind of a weakest illustration we've seen from Mappa in general. That and the flashback with Ervin, I was like, that was a crime. Keep that poor man <laughs> resting in peace. You did not need to bring that flashback back, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know what was going on with Mata. And that's, I would say this, if it was wit, I would still bring this up if it was wit. That's how bad I feel yeah. like it was, you know? <laughs> But can we can we note the hilarity of Connie breaking the tension of having Annie back? Oh my gosh. Like his response wasn't, oh hey. Like cuz he wasn't there when they started talking about like the defra or the de-hardening of all of the <gasps> you're right or anything. So he you're didn't right. know. He didn't know. And so instead of saying like, oh, she's alive, what the heck? He just treated it like she never left didn't skip a beat and just laughs at how much she is shoving that pie down her throat. Oh my gosh. This is, this is perfect. This is so perfect. I love that. It was just like the same moment where he like makes that very dark joke of, Hey Aaron, how does it feel to have a house over your head again? As Zeke's like (laughs) chucking cottages. Oh my gosh. Uh, I feel like that little moment. I feel like that's the first time we've heard Connie laugh, actually, in this part yeah. two. Whoa. Yeah. Well, it's good to have Connie back. Yeah. Um, I guess, so the one thing that I wanted to share, so I've already talked about Mikasa and Louise and how I hated that interaction, so I won't share that, like, whole spiel again. But I just wanted to remind everybody how much I love Falco. He's just an amazing yes. kid. Um, I love that Connie recognizes that during the travel and, like, makes comments about it. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Because it really shows, like, just how sweet this child is. And that he hasn't let the world ruin him. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted to say, like, it really goes to show that being nice matters to somebody. It really um, does. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually want to change my wording just a little bit because this is something that my husband and I have been really trying to implement with our kids. Instead of saying nice, which has become like this very superficial word in our society, mm-hmm. um, Falco is being kind. 
Yes. Um, and it's just so much more heartfelt to use that word. Like he is legitimately being kind, showing kindness everywhere he goes. And I just want to remind people that like kindness makes the world go round. You don't mm-hmm. realize like what your kindness does to somebody else and to somebody else's day. Even if it's just a smile, a door opening for them or a wave or a compliment like that makes some people's day mm-hmm. so and i think that if falco wasn't such an amazing kid that connie would have felt more justified and might have acted faster um right who's to say like because when they're sitting around the fire connie says like this kid hasn't complained all day and we've been riding so hard who's to say that if Falco had been complaining that whole time that Connie would have been like, well, dang, I don't even want to stop anymore for the night. I just want to get this kid gone. Right. Or if it was like old Gobby, you know, not not current Gobby, but old Gobby. 100%. I totally agree with you. (sighs) I love Falco and I'm, oh my gosh, I'm so happy he's still with us. Still with us. Me too. Okay, well, I didn't um, see anything for Bridge to Past episodes, so let's move on to MVP. Megan, who did you choose? Okay. For oh my gosh. Okay, well, I chose Armin, and uh, I oh, I love I love Armin, and I just want to give him a hug. He's going through yeah. this seriously hard time. He has meant so well up until this point, and he's tried to, like, see the best in his friend and to not give up on them. And he even went on the line. He was going to save Falco and give up his his own life. And, you know, I feel like he's been really trying hard, but he's burnt out and exhausted from being everyone's problem solver. And so I have to give him this this MVP because he's really doing his best. And yeah, keep going, Armin. You're going to be okay. <laughs> he's a good kid. Um, I Because of my love for Connie and all that he's gone through, I gave him the MVP. Yep. Feels he did a fitting. lot of emotional work. <laughs> during this episode <laughs> he did um and like it's it's so interesting like ultimately armin did help him come to the conclusion that he did um and kind of snap him out of his emotional drowning i guess if we want to mm-hmm. if we want to talk about it um but he talks about just like how all of his family is dead except for his mom and yep. he has this hope because his mom is still technically alive. Um, and so it's hard not to hold on to that. It's hard not to be heartbroken over that. And so his conflict is genuine and it's justified. Um, and I think that like, even though Armin kind of uh, snap, snapped Connie out of it, um, like I said earlier, Connie could have been upset with Armin. He could have let Armin die Um, And do all of this stuff. But he decided to not get angry. He decided not to let Armin die. Because he knows that his mom had her chance. And unfortunately, there's no guarantee that if she got turned into a different, bigger titan, that her life would be any better. And he decides that he is going to take this chance. And he's like, well, I can't save my mom, but I can save a whole bunch of other people. Um, And it takes a lot for somebody to be humble. For this segment of the podcast where we talk about pride, Connie was very much somebody who was humbled. And um, I give him props for that. So, yeah. Love it. I think that our MVPs were perfect. I do, too. I, I really enjoy it. I really like it. But... Um, let's wrap it up. Um, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It's been amazing. Um, let us know if you felt like somebody else needed to be MVP or somebody else needed to give or get a shout out. 
um, for these past two episodes. It was just a very emotional two episodes. And at least we have a little bit of a brighter side of having, you know, our Avengers all grouped together. You know, um, so hope it it really was, but also Rachel's made me scared. So oh. there's that. <laughs> Yeah, you never know. But hopefully this gives you a little hope to continue on. I mean, I'm sure if you're this far, you're not going to quit whether you have the bad feelies in your tummy anyway. But if you wouldn't mind watching episodes 25 and 26, or if you're counting up episodes 84 and 85, uh, we would love for you guys to do that and then listen to our next podcast episode. If you guys would like to reach out to us, uh, you can reach out to us via email at littlebitweebish at gmail.com or on Instagram or TikTok where our handle is littlebitweebish. Megan, did you have anything else to say? Oh, yes. And if you guys would like to support the podcast, the best way to do that is sharing it with your friends mm-hmm. or giving us a little review on either... Mm-hmm. Spotify, you can give us a little five star on our profile. Or if you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can write out, you know, a little review. Um, It all helps us. So if you guys could do that, that would be the best thing ever. Yes, please. Well, thank you so much for listening. Have a good day. You guys are the best. Bye.